Well, it's great to see you guys. The servers are going to collect our offering, and as they do, I just want to say, uh, well, I appreciate last weekend, if you were here, uh, one of our elders, Cecil Comstock, uh, preached for me, and I was actually preaching at a, a little church down the street called Renewed Christian Fellowship. I know Cecil kind of told you just a little bit about that, but I wanted to kind of fill you guys in with what is happening. Uh, we, were, we were approached by this little place, uh, just a small church. It's been meeting for about 12 years or so, and uh, they are uh, preparing to close down. And so they approached us to say, hey, we would like to be part of Fairdale Christian. So they've uh, been going through that process. Cecil's been kind of helping to guide them a little bit. And they voted a couple of weeks ago unanimously to come and be part of Fairdale Christian Church. So we're really excited to welcome them. Their first Sunday here will be June 25th. And uh, they're going to be actually going to be here tonight for starting points. So some of you that might be coming, uh, you'll get to meet some of those folks as well. They're great. Just a, a really, really wonderful group of people. So uh, really looking forward to getting to know them a little bit and welcoming them into our family. And uh, as I mentioned, we are ha- having starting point tonight. So if you've uh, you know signed up or if you want to be a part of that, let us know that you're coming. We've got uh, plenty of food, but we would love to know that you're coming tonight at 5 o'clock. And uh, it's just going be to be a nice time to... To hang out a little bit. And we've been in this series called Life Comes At You Fast. And what really motivated this, this, this thing for me, this series, was I, uh, I, I'm realizing more and more that despite my best efforts, I just can't get time to slow down. And it's not for lack of trying. It's just every, every morning I, I look in the mirror and I've got a few more little gray hairs, you know, like where did those, where did those come from? Or my kids are getting a little bit older and, and it's just, uh, you know, life is short and life can be hard. You probably figured that out by now, but I'm, I'm a little slow, I guess. And one of the ways that we cope with difficulty in life is by connecting with God. He is one who is closer to us than a brother. He gives us a peace that transcends all understanding. And, and that, is how we, that is how we cope. And, and I want my goal today is to, to try to help you to do that today. Now, probably most of you in this room are, are at least somewhat, maybe just even a little bit familiar with the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. It really, if you've got a Bible, the easiest way, if you're like, I, I wonder where that is in the Bible. If you just kind of open it right in the middle or just let it fall open, you're probably going to end up right in the Psalms. Uh, it's right kind of smack dab in the middle of the Bible. And uh, you might even know probably one of the most famous Psalms is the 23rd Psalm, which if you've been to a funeral, probably that was read there. I know I usually read it every funeral that I officiate. But uh, there are all kinds of, of Psalms. There's 150 chapters most of them were written by King David, but not all of them. Uh, some, some people think that all of Psalms was written by David. There are actually about seven authors uh, but, uh, uh, of the Psalms. But some of them are about thanksgiving and giving praise to God. Some of them are lamenting. Like, why am I going through all this? Uh, this is just tough. You know, God, life is tough. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And then there are some Psalms that appear to be just kind of venting. Just releasing the pressure valve a little bit, letting it all out. I heard about two guys that were working at a factory. And, you know, long days, working hard. And uh, they got to to lunchtime, and and they sit down together, and they open up their lunch pails. And the first guy says to the second, he says, I can't believe this. I've got a bologna sandwich again. I am so sick to death 
of bologna sandwiches. If I'm, I get, I, this is the third time this week that I've had a bologna sandwich. I feel like I'm about to lose my mind. I can't stand bologna sandwiches. I hate them. And the second guy says, whoa, 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 dude, just take a chill pill. Calm down. It's, it's all right. It's just a sandwich, you know. It's no big deal. Why don't you, when you, when you get home tonight, just tell your wife that you don't want a bologna sandwich. It's, it's going to be fine. And the first guy says, you shut up and leave my wife out of this. I make my own sandwiches. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know, most of the bologna in our lives, we packed in our own pail. We're pretty good at making life harder than it has to be. So I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to give us permission to release the pressure valve a little bit. Sometimes I think the, the baloney in our lives that we, is when we hold it all in and, and maybe we think that that's a sign of strength or you know, that I, I'm the type of person that I just, you know, I, I'm the strong, silent type or whatever. And, and I'm going to argue that that is not healthy. It's not emotionally healthy and it's certainly not spiritually healthy. Life is hard, but here's one thing that I know is that life is way too short to be all twisted up. You know, a lot of us, we, we got, we're, just so, we're just so tense it, it, we, we all have trouble relaxing. You know, you ever have the, the moment where maybe you, you sit down and, and you just feel like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I was, I didn't realize I had my shoulders up like this all day. You know, it just feels weird to just kind of relax and, and, and let go a little bit. Now, everybody's got little weird skills. You know, maybe some of you, if you're my daughter, she can burp the alphabet. You know, maybe you've got some kind of weird skill. I'm going to show you one of mine. I've been, uh, this is one of those weird things that you're like, I, had, I, I don't know who you are anymore, Brandon. But I used to uh, make balloon animals for birthday parties. And uh, <laughs> this, is, this is what I think about. When I, when I think about life being all twisted up, you've probably seen a, you know, a clown do this. Well, now you're going to see another clown do it here this morning. This is, this is what I think how many of us live. It's just, you know, this is, this is you. This is your life. And you say, I just, I just, I'm just so aggravated. I'm just so frustrated. I just... Things at work are so hard, and, and that person cut me off in traffic, and I am so sick and tired of the kids always leaving messes out, and I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to cope. Oh, I just, I'm so tired of work, and I'm so tired of school, and I just, all I want to do is sit down and not do anything, and you're just, your whole life is, you're like a little bunny rabbit. You just, you just, you're just hopping all over the place, you know, Peter Cottontail, and you're all twisted. Now, look at that. Isn't that pretty? Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, pity claps. All right. But some of you, 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 you're so twisted up because you're, you're so angry. Somebody honked at you in traffic. You know, you think, where was I supposed to go? Or you just cleaned the house. The kids came in from outside, tracked some mud on the carpet. Uh, you know, your neighbor blew his grass clippings all over your, your side of the yard. You know, you're stressed out. And maybe you need to vent a little bit. And the Psalms... In chapter 137, this was written long after King David had died. So, again, David didn't write all the Psalms. This one was written after his death. Uh, the nation of Israel was in bondage and captivity. So, you, you got to think about this. and this is, this is terrible for them. I mean, you think we're, we're proud of the fact that we're the, you know, the, the home of the brave, the land of the free. You know, we, we, we enjoy so many freedoms and uh, freedom from tyranny and, and all these sort of things. You imagine if, if China came to, you know, or tomorrow and just took over, just dismantled our government and said, no, you're, 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 you work for us now. You're going to do what we say. And better than that even, actually, we're going to take over your land 
and you're kicked out. So uh, you're going to have to go, you know, Mexico, Canada, find a place to live. We don't care, but you're not allowed to be in our land anymore because now we own it. This is what happened to them, to the nation of Israel. They were taken into captivity, and then they were exiled out of their land, been thrown out. And this is what the Bible says in verse 1. These people, as they're reflecting on this and, and the situation, they say, beside the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept as we thought of Jerusalem, the city where, where they had lived, the, the place that they had occupied. They said, when we sit and we, we think about it, we just weep. They're devastated. They're emotionally devastated, remembering the old city. Verse 2 says, we, we put away our harps. Hanging them up on branches of poplar trees for our captors demanded a song from us. Our tormentors insisted on a joyful hymn. They said, sing us one of those songs of Jerusalem. What they're saying is, we, we put our guitars up. We, we took a hatchet to the piano. We didn't want to hear music anymore. You know, music, you think about fun times and, you know, I just want to go somewhere and listen to some good music. And, and it, what's happened with these people is these, their enemies have come in and taken over and you think about like a drunken sailor or something that says, hey, play us one of those songs that y'all used to sing. Let's, let's get a party going. You guys, you guys provide the entertainment. Why don't you pick us a, pick us a tune or something? We're, just, we're done. We don't even want to hear music. They're just being taunted. And verse 4 says, how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a pagan land? They're saying, how, how am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to exist in a situation like this? God, I can't do it. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like you were in a position in life that you, you really didn't, real, didn't see how you were going to move forward? You're trying to, you're trying to you know, get your bearings, but everything just feels dark, and you feel claustrophobic, and, and it just doesn't seem like there's any good way forward. And, and you, maybe you say, I, I'm at the end of my rope, and, and you try to pray, but really the only kind of prayers that you can choke out are, God, I know I'm supposed to have joy or something like that. But that seems like a pipe dream. I, I don't know how in the world I could have any kind of peace. I don't know how to, in the world I'm ever going to have that ever again. About 15 years ago, uh, I was serving at a, a church in Illinois. And a uh, great little church, nice people. Um, had, a, had, a, had a good time there. And there was one lady who was a, a part of the church, and she would lead worship we had a we had a traditional service where they just sang hymns and have a hymnal and then we had a, a contemporary service too but she would always lead the singing for the traditional service so every week she and everybody looked forward to it. she's such a uh just outgoing personality just just made you feel good you know to be around her and she she would lead the singing every week and uh she's a, a single mom Her son was uh, a marine and he was serving in Afghanistan, <clears throat> and uh, he was always on the prayer list. She was always talking about him, like, oh, you know, pray that he's, you know, going to be okay. He's dangerous over there and all that sort of stuff. And uh, one day, sure enough, we, we got the call that uh, he'd been killed in Afghanistan. And I will never forget, I went over to her house right after the, some of the a couple of Marines had showed up to deliver the news. And I remember just the, because she was always such a, a big personality, and I'll never forget just how it just looked like the, just the, her soul had just been drained out of her. And, and we're talking. Of course, she's crying, and she's just numb. And, and, and she made the statement, I'll never forget. She said, I don't see how I'm ever going to be joyful ever again. I don't think I'm ever going to have joy in my life. 
And after a few, we, we had a funeral. Funeral was just unbelievable. We had to have it at the high school. There were thousands of people there. It was, the governor was, was in attendance. I mean, it was, it was something else to see. But uh, a few weeks after that, I remember she got up to lead singing again. And uh, she, she did the best that she could, you know. But she, it just wasn't the same. And for as long as I was there, and I trust that, that God has been bringing healing into her life. And, and I know she's made some huge strides in, in time. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't heal everything. But, but with time, you know, it, it gets a little easier to, to live with the grief. And so I trust that God has been leading her through that. But for as long as I knew her, she never was exactly the same person ever again. Verse 5 and 6 they say, if I forget you, O Jerusalem, if I forget my old city, let my right hand forget how to play the harp. May my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I fail to remember you, if I don't make Jerusalem my greatest joy. They're saying, we are so devastated by this. There's so much grief and unhappiness. We don't even want to remember how to play the guitar. You know, if I could play a few tunes, I, it's like I wish my hand were cut off. I don't, not only do I not want to hear music or sing music, I don't even want to remember how to play music. I wish my tongue would stick to the roof of my mouth so I can't even sing. Even if, even if I were tempted to, no words could come out. That's just a lot of pain there. They're saying we don't feel any joy and we don't want to feel any joy. You ever been there? Now the tone is, is getting ready to shift here. Here's, here's what we're going to see in Psalm 137. Now, now, hold on. Put your seatbelt on because we take a really wild turn here, okay? Look at the next few verses. It says, oh, Lord. Now they're praying. They're talking to God. Lord, remember what these people did, the Edomites, our enemies. On the day the armies of Babylon captured Jerusalem, Destroy it, they yelled. Level it to the ground. There's the anger. Say, remember what they did? Remember how they came in here and they destroyed everything and they captured us and they threw us out? God, look at what these people have done to us. We want you to pay them back. Verse 8, O Babylon, you will be destroyed. Blessed is the one who pays you back for what you have done to us. This sounds pretty serious. There, there it is. You know, we're talking about the stages of grief here. We've, we're moving into anger. And they feel it. There's no love here. When Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, I don't think this is what he had in mind exactly. But uh, that's where they are. This is, I hope you get yours. That's what they're saying. And then this, this next verse, it almost has a touch of sounding like some of the Sermon on the Mount. You remember on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, blessed is the one, or happy is the one. Who, who does this, this, that, or, or, or whatever. Look at verse 9. It says, Blessed is the one who takes your babies and smashes them against the rocks. Whoa. <laughs> now let's pause there for a second. Because here's one of those verses. This is one of the reasons why people who you know, want to deny that, that there's a God, and they, they, they scoff, they laugh at our faith, faith and... Uh, you know, they, they, want to, uh, they want to be critical of, of what we believe. Th this is th these are the type of things that they, they pick at. Take this one verse out of context. And they say, look, you say, you say your God's so good and so loving. And the Bible is, you know, full of, of, of good wisdom and, and, uh, and inspired by God. Well, here's a verse that ad is advocating for infanticide. God is saying, 
Oh, you're blessed. You're a blessed person if you take babies and smash them against rocks. That's not what this verse says. That's not the context of the... It doesn't... This is not at all what is happening here. This verse does not mean that God wants people to pray for the destruction of innocent life. It's not what this verse is doing. It doesn't mean that God likes having babies killed. The Bible is not endorsing any of that. What it is endorsing, what we see here, is being in touch with your emotions and taking them before God. It's endorsing being emotionally and spiritually healthy by not bottling things up. By not just holding back, but instead being vulnerable enough to bring them to the Lord even when it seems pretty messy. That we come to God just as we are. Even when we feel like, well, I'm, I'm pretty angry. I'm pretty, uh, I, I'm pretty upset right now. I don't know what's going to... If I'm going to talk to God, I don't know that the words that are going to come out of my mouth are going to be you know, anything really righteous or, or good right now. That's all right. That's all right. You bring that, you bring that to him. I, I don't know that any of us have been so mistreated by another person that we felt like we hoped someone took their babies and bashed them against rocks. I don't know if you've ever been that angry, uh, but I bet that you've been so angry at someone that you... If we were just being honest, you know, maybe you'd admit it to me. Maybe you've been so angry at another person that you kind of wish something bad might happen to them. You know, maybe, well, I don't want, you know, I don't want them to die. But maybe if they'd stub their toe, that would just put a smile on my face. Or, you know, if I happen to be driving to work and I saw them pulled over on the highway getting a speeding ticket, I have to admit I'd get a little chuckle out of that. You know, maybe, maybe you've been that angry at somebody. But the Israelite people here, basically, they're venting to God. They, they say, I, I, don't know, I don't know how we're going to get through this, and we're so angry, and we hate these people so much that I, I just feel like the person that would take their babies and smash them against rocks would be blessed. I don't know who ever got the idea or where it came from. I don't know where it came from. We got the idea that if we follow Jesus, that life is going to be easy. But that's not in the Bible anywhere. Nowhere in Scripture does it say, if you give your life to Christ, that everything's going to work out all the time. And that you're, you're never going to have a bad day. And, and you're never going to get sick. And you're always going to have money. And, and you're always going to have nice, bright, sun-filled days that are, are wonderful and great. In fact, not only does the Bible never tell you that, now, now, preface, you can have peace. It's, it does promise that you will have a peace that transcends all your circumstances. But Jesus said, and I quote him exactly, he said, in this world you will have trouble. Those were his words. And I, I think that we struggle with that because many of us are under the illusion that because I'm a Christian and I, and I follow Jesus, that means I'm like, I'm part of the family. I know the secret handshake. I'm, I'm, I'm in the club, and so I get some of the benefits of that, right? So like, it's kind of like if I've got a rich uncle, I get to, you know, okay, he's rich and maybe I'm not, but I get to ride on the yacht, right? And so since I'm a child of God, doesn't that mean that, you know, good things are going to come my way? And then what happens is when life is hard, we start doubting our faith. So well, maybe there's not a God because I, I had to walk through this, and, and we get a bad attitude. Have you, ever been, have you ever been let go from a job? 
when you did nothing wrong. It was actually someone else that did something, and they were slacking, and, and they should have been the one that were let go, but you were the scapegoat. And maybe they even get promoted. They get accolades that really belong to you, and you have to watch that, and it's like, just feels like you want to punch a wall. Have you ever been cheated on in a marriage? Have you ever been lied about if somebody started a nasty rumor about you? Have you ever been abused as a child? Or maybe you were even, you've been abused as an adult by someone stronger than you. Have you ever been hurt financially by someone that you trusted? And said, oh yeah, this is going to work out just fine. This will be good, this will be good. And they lied to you and took advantage of you and, and, uh, and, and robbed you? You know, we go on and on. There's all kinds of injustice. And what I'm saying is when that happens to you, it's okay to be angry. You don't have to mask it and pretend like, oh, everything's pie in the sky. We're good. It's all right. That's, ah, yeah, yes. I just, you know, cut off a finger while I was working on the house. But I'm good. God bless God. Everything's wonderful. And, you know, it's, we're just, it's okay. It's okay. Last week, I, I wasn't here preaching, but uh, I, I did stop in uh, before I went over to the other place. I stopped in here just to see a few people and thought I'd uh, hang out for a little bit. And, and there's a couple people that I've known for a long time. They were here wonderful, wonderful people. And they came up, they asked me a question. They said, hey, I'm just wondering, uh, what, what's your take on this? I said, does the Bible say, does the Bible say anywhere that God won't give you more than you can handle? Doesn't the Bible say that? And, and you know what? This may surprise some of you, but it doesn't. The Bible never says, ever, anywhere, it never says that God won't allow you to go through more than you can handle. It's not in there. Now, uh, the reason that people think that it says that is a, is a misinterpretation of 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, which says this. It says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. That's where it comes from. He said, doesn't the Bible say that he won't give us more than we can handle? No. It says... He won't allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. What that says is, it's talking about temptation. You always have a choice. Nobody can say, well, I sinned because I just, I couldn't help it. I didn't, I didn't have a choice. I just, I, just, I just fell into sin and there was nothing I could do about it. No, no. You, you, always, you always have the option to resist temptation. But there is not a promise that God won't allow us to go through more trials than we can endure. That's not in there. But the promise is that we won't go through these trials alone. Psalm 46, verse 10, says God is our refuge and strength. He's an ever-present help in trouble. You're not alone. When you go through these times of suffering and trials, you know, when you're angry, when you've been mistreated, when you're all twisted up, how do we respond? What happens when we, when we take it and we vent to God? Now, you notice in Psalm 137, when they're really angry, right? I mean, they're furious. They're saying, God, we hope that you smash these babies into rocks. That is the worst line. I mean, man, that is like, if you had a favorite scripture, this is the, this is the least favorite. This is terrible. But you notice that what doesn't happen, God doesn't say, hmm, well, I'll consider that. He doesn't say that. He, he doesn't say, well, you know, since you asked, maybe, maybe I'll see about that. Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll arrange that for you. God's never going to do that. 
He's never going to do that. But here's what happens. When we vent our frustrations to the Lord, when we take it to God and say, God, right, wrong, or indifferent, I know it's messy, but this is how I feel right now, and I hate this person, and I hate this thing, and I hate all of this stuff that's happening to me. Something, I'm going to say it's miraculous, because it really, really is supernatural. When you do that, God gives you grace to get you to a new place. That even rhymes, so you can remember it. God gives you grace to take you to a new place. He's able to give you strength that goes beyond understanding. He's able to hear you vent. God wants to hear you vent. He, it's important for us to tell him what we're thinking and what we're feeling because, not because God just needs to hear that or, oh, he, he doesn't know, but it, it's important because it keeps that relationship that we have with the Lord strong and healthy. That I'm, I'm not bottling, I'm, 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 I'm venting and I'm, I'm just talking to you, God, about how I'm feeling right now. I've been going through some of that uh, myself lately. And I've just had seasons of that. I had somebody a few weeks ago that said to me, said, I feel really bad and I, and I know this is wrong, but I'm really angry at God. And, and I know that that's bad and I shouldn't do that. And I said, whoa, why do, you, why do you think that's wrong? Well, you know, in my prayer time, I just, I just, I just so mad at him. I just don't. I'm like, oh, that's, that's, that's totally fine. I think God's big enough to handle that. Uh, in, in, in my own life, I, I've been going through some of that. Um, there have been, there've been people that I've really cared about, really cared about, that have been praying for, and they've died. Uh, I, I wanted God to heal them. I didn't see a reason why not. Is it going to mess up some big cosmic plan if you just heal this person? And God chose to take them home. And that made me mad. Still makes me mad. I'm, I'm processing, but I've got another friend that uh, is dealing with cancer. I don't understand. I don't understand why he has to go through that. Makes no sense to me. I've got a family member, close family member, that's struggling with major marriage issues right now. Have two young children, and they're basically, I mean, right on the edge of divorce going to rip up their family, going to rip up our family, going to you know, mess up these poor kids, these innocent kids, for the rest of their lives. And, and, and I'm so angry about that. And in all, those, all these things, I, I, just, I, I just have to vent to the Lord. And I have to be honest and say, God, I'm, so, I'm sorry to say this, but I'm really, I'm really ticked off. And, and, and I'm angry at the devil for being the devil. I'm angry at this person because you know, they've got the marriage issues. Why can't they just get over their, their bitterness and their, their, their egos and, and, and their stubbornness? And I'm angry. At, God, I'm angry at you because why are you, why are you letting this happen? Why do you let this happen to this person or that person? I don't understand it. I'm angry at the situation. I'm angry at the fact that our world is a screwed up place and there's people that they seem like their whole existence is they just want to find a way to inflict pain and misery on other people. And sometimes I wish you'd just smash their babies against the rocks, you know. I just don't understand it. And, but, but here's what happens for me is I can take that stuff to the Lord. In my private time with God, when I'm sitting down and I'm having this conversation, and I'm going to tell you, this is what he always does for me. Always. He listens and he shows me grace. And I, I, I promise you, every time that I'm vulnerable enough where I'm, I'm talking to the Lord and I know that He's in the room with me. He's here, and I'm talking to him. I really am sharing my feelings. As I do that, he redirects my thoughts every time. 
I can be angry. I can be venting. I can be saying these things that I wish just, you know, they just, just rip their toenails off. And God will say, Brandon, I, I just can't explain it. This calmness will come over me. And, and I, just, I just really feel like the Lord speaks to my heart. I was, I was venting to God a couple of weeks ago about my friend with cancer. I was telling God how mad I was at him. And I, and I was really angry. And, uh, and I just can't, I can't explain it. But I just felt like this overwhelming sense of peace. You would think that I'm, if I'm mad at God that he'd be angry at me, right? And there'd be all this tension. No, it's, it's almost like he just put his hand on me. And I, it's, it's as if, the, you know, if you had an ear in your heart, it's as if my heart could hear the voice of the Lord saying, Brandon, do you really think for one moment that I don't care about this person? Do you really think that I don't see? Do you really think that you know better than I do? You're going to have to trust me. And this doesn't make sense to you. It's not supposed to make sense to you. You're just going to trust and I've got him, and I've got you. You just trust me. He redirected my thoughts. That's what I'm saying. When you, when you vent, Psalm 137, venting, venting, venting. He gives us grace to get us to a new place. He redirects our thoughts. Jesus said these words in the book of John 15. He says, if the world hates you, I want you to remember it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if, if you belong to it. But listen, you are no longer part of the world. This is what your Savior says to you. You're no longer part of the world. Don't get frustrated. Don't lose hope. Don't get all twisted up when the world rejects you. It's not, it, that's, that's the way it's going to be. You're not part of it. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. And then John 16, 33, he said this, I've told you all of this. So that you can have peace in me. Because here on the earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. What does that mean for us? What does that mean for you and me? When Jesus says take heart, it means have courage. Be confident. That's what he's saying. He says lift your head a little bit. Put your shoulders back. Puff out your chest. He's literally telling us, you are going to have many trials, folks. It's going to be hard. There's going to be moments that you're going to really hate and you're going to suffer. But it's going to be sad. But be confident, be courageous, and remember that I have overcome the world. Which means that when life is hard, you remember that because of Jesus, we will win at the end. There will be a day that the wrongs are made right. That the lowly will be lifted high. The weak will be made strong. Those that have been persecuted and, and hated and hurt by the world that Jesus says in, in the book of Revelation, in that moment, he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes and there will be no more suffering or crying or pain because the old world, the old existence, the old order of things is no more. That day is coming. That's the focus. That's how we cope. When life is hard, we take our frustrations and we vent to God. And we remember that no matter what, no matter what comes our way or how life turns out, that because of Jesus, because of the great hope that we have in him, we win in the end. And that's what we learn in Psalm 137. Blessed are those who are honest with God. Blessed are those who wear their emotions on their sleeves in their time 
with God. Now, maybe, maybe if we did that more with the Lord, maybe if we were more vulnerable and more transparent and we vented to God, maybe we would vent less with people. Maybe, maybe if we could take it to God, we wouldn't you know, make hand gestures and honk our horns in the car when somebody you know, turns at the wrong moment. Maybe if we, if we could just be those kinds of people that say, I'm going to take this to God. I'm, I'm really frustrated and I, I don't know what to do with all these feelings. I'm going to take them to God. Maybe we wouldn't be as cruel to the innocent people around us if we learn how to do this. Maybe we'd all be a little more happy, a little more joyful, because I know we'd be shown a lot more grace. That's what I really wanted to challenge you with today. I don't know what it is in your life that may be twisting you up, and you just, you know, you're just, you're just tense. Just find that place that you can go be alone with God and just tell him. Just have a little talk with Jesus, and you're going to find that he's going to make it right. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for uh, being so faithful to us. Thank you for loving us. Uh, even in the moments, even, even in the moments when we are, we're spiteful toward you. We are, we are like the, the child that is just angry and frustrated and we don't know if we want to throw ourselves on the floor we want to throw something at you we just we're just mad you are the loving father who just you just gently uh, hold us in your strength you give us perfect peace you are the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep our lord help us to uh, just to trust you in a in a deeper way today as we leave here would you take our faith deeper? Take us deeper so that we can be more vulnerable, more trusting, and that we would be closer in our walk with you, Lord. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice so that we can have full forgiveness and freedom from our sin. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.